You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that You know, this uh, deal that came across the wire with Xavier uh, Howard getting his deal, cornerback for the Miami Dolphins, got a massive deal if you didn't hear, which means... Jair, well, it means a couple things. Jair Alexander is going to get paid a lot more than anybody thought, and um, that definitely leads me to believe that we will not be getting a deal done with him anytime soon. If there was any hope of that getting done in the near future, which I've been telling you this whole time, it's not going to get done. I mean, at best, they get these things done right before the start of the year. Um, If they had made any progress, I have a feeling it just went right out the window because of the stupid frickin' Miami Dolphins and stupid frickin' Xavier Howard and all these stupid frickin' fake contracts with big numbers that aren't real. And for some reason, Packers players look at it and go, oh, I want that, but I want real numbers. (laughs) You know, I, I, I just, I'm sitting here, nobody even said anything to me, and I just want to strangle people. (laughs) Because having done this for as long as I've done this, I've listened to I don't know how many times people have said the Packers have not done enough. The media has said people have not done enough for Aaron Rodgers. Poor Aaron Rodgers. The poor guy just can't catch a break. He just can't seem to get that. that, that. We are the only team that gets bashed over and over and over and over and over for not doing enough. We are also the only team in the NFL that can't physically pay all the superstars on their roster. Think. Just Let's just start with quarterback. How many teams have to pay a top quarterback. There, there's quite a few. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's just us, but we're just getting to quarterback. Let's look at the Chiefs. Who else do they have to pay? Do they have, well, they, they don't have a top wide receiver anymore because he got shipped off, which we don't either because ours got shipped off. But what else do they have? Do they have a top tackle like David Bakhtiari? No. They had some really good tackles. They shipped them both off. They do have a top defensive tackle, but we do too in Kenny Clark. Do they have a top corner? And by the way, I'm just listing some of the most expensive positions. Quarterback, tackle, cornerback, defensive tackle. Oh, and by the way, Rashawn Gary, if that dude has like 15 sacks this year, we are so screwed, like in the best possible way, but we are unbelievably screwed. Who in the world is paying top money to quarterback, tackle, cornerback, defensive tackle, and edge rusher. And by the way, Elton Jenkins, possibly getting kicked to right tackle, possibly about to get paid shortly thereafter as a tackle, and maybe, possibly, as one of the best tackles in football. Now, the only good thing is that these are kind of staggered a little bit. Bakhtiari and Kenny were a little while ago. Rodgers just got his. Devontae went bye-bye. Jair is going to get his probably later this season, although it may not get done then, and so we end up with one of these things where it's we, we, we don't get it. It's like Devontae, unfortunately, but you don't get a deal done. 
and then it goes through the season and everyone's freaking out and they're like, no, we don't do deals during the season. And then everyone really freaks out and then it gets to the end of the year and we super panic and it's like, oh no, this is just like Devontae. We're not going to get a deal done. He's going to get traded. I mean, granted, we would get a bag for him, but <laughs> I don't. I hate that my brain is even going there. But then we get a deal done. But then we got to work on Rashawn. And then it's like, well, is, is Rashawn's going to get done? And then I'm going to say, well, not probably till the start of the season. And then we're going to just rinse and repeat. I, I, I feel like this team is structured with too much top-end talent. You know what I mean? I mean, we've got superstars at all the most premium positions. Maybe what we need is more just guys. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be like superstar and then massive fall-off. Like Kenny Clark, but he's got nobody next to him. Devontae Adam, but we've got nobody else. And I know I've been kind of pumping up like that's a little overstated, but it's still stated. I mean, even quarterback. And I know that this is how most teams are structured, but there have been teams throughout history that are not, their season isn't completely ruined when their quarterback goes down. Packers historically, with the exception of Matt Flynn, completely screwed. Like if we win two games, like, yay, (laughs) we did something. Freaking Brett Hundley and just the whole nine. I mean, just brutal. I mean, no disrespect to Yash Nyman, he did a good job, but it falls from David Bakhtiari to Yash Nyman pretty quick. I mean, he's, what is he, like a sixth-round pick? I mean, I'm not even going to talk about our guard depth, because I don't even know if we have starting guards at this point. John Runyon maybe is, is okay. He's another sixth-round guy. Um, I mean, we do have Rashawn and Preston, and that's cool, but probably, what, after... Well, I guess, I guess Preston's... I don't, I don't know, like, when is the earliest Preston can be gone, so maybe that's one position where it's like, hey, we got two. But we're paying Preston like he's a guy. So even though he's kind of, or, or like he's a kind of a, well, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I have, this is just popping up in my head right now. I haven't created solid criteria. I'm just, I'm just saying, man. And I guess we're kind of doing that with corner, right? Jair's like the guy. And then we have like a drafted guy who seems like he's premier, but he's, he was just drafted. So he's young and, and, and cheap. And then we got Razul who's being paid not very much, but he's, he's, you know, I mean, that's cornerback is the model. You got an elite guy, you've got a guy that's, you know, not super expensive that's good, and a guy that you just drafted that's a potential superstar, but we don't need to worry about it because we just got him. We'll worry about that sometime later. Maybe safety, right? Amos, in my opinion, star. Savage, he's a uh, young guy and not really a star. Shout out to Sam Holman, by the way, who did a pretty nice thread on him if you're not following. I, I just saw Sam Holman as like 500 followers. What the heck are you guys doing? Go find him. I mean, if you're following Dusty Evely, you should be following Sam Holman. I'm not, I'm not comparing saying who's better or not. I'm just saying, like, if you're interested in that kind of content, and by the way, Coach Hahn, who I've had on here several times, you guys know, is very, very intelligent. Coach Hahn is like, in certain respects, basically saying, I can't really even touch this guy, especially when it comes to defense and his knowledge. That's, that's a heck of an endorsement for anybody, because Coach Hahn is 8, 10, 12 rungs ahead of me and most of my listeners. So when he kind of sits back and is like, I don't know, man, this guy knows more than me, it's, I mean, maybe he's just being nice, but still, 500 followers is is an abomination. He has better content than I do. That's for sure. That's if you want to learn. If you want to talk about stupid stuff, then you can follow me. I'm such a good marketer, aren't I? Don't follow me. I'm stupid. <laughs> okay. But I don't know. It, it, again, this, this isn't me like with a, what I normally do where I really have something thought out and like, this is how it is. It's just kind of, this just popped up and I'm just kind of slinging stuff around, man. But I'm kind of nervous that we have two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Like, in four or five years, if we get two of these guys that hit, oh, jeez. Granted, by that point, maybe we're looking at saying goodbye to David Bakhtiari and Preston Smith and uh, maybe 
Kenny Clark, although I still think he's like 14 years old. I'm not positive. I'll have to double check that. He's got to get older. He's, he's, he is Randall Cobb, man. Randall Cobb was the same way. Like, he's been on the team for 10 years, and he's 25. I don't understand how this is possible. Even now, he's like, I'm, I think we brought back Randall Cobb, and I'm like, wow, what is he, 35? No, he's like 31 or something. I don't, I don't know how old he is, but it's just it's ridiculous. But whatever. I don't know, man. I saw that contract, and it just is like, you know, I've, I've been saying since forever, there is zero chance ever that they don't sign Jair. I mean, this is what the Packers do. It's draft and develop. And, you know, you can say, well, what about Devontae? The dude got a couple contracts here. And he also basically forced his way off the team. I mean, it's not like the Packers are like, we can't do it. We can't afford him. Got to let him go. So, and and they were going to pay Devontae with every expectation of paying Jair. So I don't really care what the salary cap situation is. They are going to pay that man. The only way that that doesn't happen is if Jair is just super unreasonable. Like, hey, he got... You know, it was 20, Xavier got 25, I want 30, like or something just really stupid or, you know, forces his way off the team. But um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not in try- I'm not trying to incite panic. They're going to pay the guy. It just it just sucks. And I really hope that his him and his agent don't get stupid with it as far as, um, you know, if it is funny money and the guy's only getting like 20 and a half million, like in real money, like, you know. If I'm hoping they're willing to accept basically fake money from the Packers, too, is I guess all I'm saying. And I'm not entirely sure how teams do that. I'm guessing it really just has to do with very low guarantees. Because, I mean, you can, st- I mean, I can, I can make you, you know, give you a five-year, $150 million contract, you know, $30 million a year, but there's, you know, $70 million in guarantees that are mostly burned up through the first three years. The only thing that kind of sucks is I feel like you would have to kind of really heavily backload that contract. And with no guarantees, you're basically looking at a contract that, let's say, after three years, you've got a low cap hit, like a low dead cap hit if you move on, like in the fourth year. But if you pay them, their contract spikes to like $35, 40000000 dollars. So you're looking at it like I can pay them $40 million or I can let them go and it's only five. Plus the contract becomes kind of untradeable because it's, it's all just going to be in like base salary. I mean, it's not going to be guaranteed, but Jair is not going to be like, oh, you could just cut it up. So we'd probably have to cut him and then the contract goes away and then they, he gets a free. It's, I, I don't know. We don't need to. It's way, way, way. I'm just, I don't know. I guess today is just pondering day. I'm, I'm stirring up everybody into a panic because I'm just trying to think things through in my head. It's not my intention. Speaking of, I want to go back and touch on something because I had uh, Mr. Numberman reach out. He's very upset with me about my characterization of RAS. and. Um, in my opinion, it was a mischaracterization, which is why I want to speak to you. Sometimes when I talk, I ramble. You may have noticed that. It's already 10 minutes in. I'm not sure we've even started discussing anything yet. Not sure. I don't know what's been happening here. One minute I'm trying a brand new Wordle. The next minute I'm 10 minutes into a podcast. You guys will have to let me know how it's been going. I'm not sure what we're talking about. By the way, that new thing that um, Danny put up that's like a Wordle, but it's football players, is stupid. You know why it's stupid? Because they lie about heights and everything else, and it makes it impossible. I whittled it down. I know, because I cheated. I have a a database, and I searched, and I whittled it down, and there was no names left, and I didn't get it. So they're wrong, and their data and their numbers are stupid. Anyways, he came off with the impression, probably because, again, when when I get a new thought in my head that, like, oh, this this is something that's important and probably should be emphasized, I really hammer the point. But, you know, that that doesn't mean that Everything else outside of what I'm saying is stupid and awful. When I talked about RAS, 
Let me see if I can quick find an example. And by the way, as you know, I talk about RAS a lot. I have talked about RAS a lot, and for good reason, because it's an important thing. But I wanted to make a point that, again, I hadn't really made before, and that is RAS is not just a static thing. You can't just look at the number and assume that this means that this person is just absolutely athletic. Like, just in every way. Just, you know, they have a 9.5 RAS. That means they're just, they're just, they're fast and they're agile and they jump high and all that stuff. Two points. Number one, which is the main one I, I put in there, they put in the caveat of relative. That's important. If there was no difference between relative athleticism and athleticism, they wouldn't put the word relative in front of it. There is a difference, and I wanted to paint that distinction. There's relative, and then there's absolute. The difference being speed, for example. If a, if a football player runs a 40-yard dash in 4.35 seconds, that's absolutely fast, no matter what. Jordan Davis ran a 4.78. Jordan Davis is not as fast as the guy that ran a 4.35, not as fast as the guy that runs a 4.45, a 4.55, even a 4.65. In an absolute sense, he's not as fast. But he got a 9.9 a 10 overall, but his speed was a 9.9. Why? Because he's six foot six, 341 pounds. So relative to his size, he's blazing fast. But the point is, sometimes you want to know absolute speed because there are cutoffs. For example, there is a general cutoff that if you run a 4.6, you're too slow to be a wide receiver. And so RAS has this thing called a uh, calculator. So I can make a calculator and it's based on position and everything else. I've got a wide receiver that's 6'5, 230 pounds with an elite explosion grade, right? His vert is a 9.25, and his broad jump is a, is a 10. His 40-yard dash is a 4.6, which is a 4.13 RAS, and also scouts are going to look at it and say he's too slow to be a wide receiver. By the way, his three-cone is a 5.88. It's slow, right? So he's got a bad three-cone, and he's got a just, dis just disqualifyingly bad 40-yard dash. His overall RAS is a 9.76, because his overall athleticism based on how big he is, is impressive. But he's still really slow and has no agility. So it, I'm not knocking RAS. It's an important metric, and, and I would say that it, it, it just kind of paints a general picture because it's hard to compare. It's hard to, especially when you're trying to compare interpositionally. Not that a scout would need to know that, but as a fan, I would want to know that. What is the equivalent of a, you know, six foot, 185-pound guy running a 438 when you're 310 pounds and six foot five, what would that equivalent be? I don't know, but RAS could tell you. It's interesting. But again, according to this RAS, the guy is, is an elite athlete, and he runs a 4.6 and a 3-cone in seven seconds. This guy's not getting drafted. Why? Because the absolutes and the individual metrics matter. They each have their own limits. They each have their own things that they tell you. And, and some of these metrics are more important than others. His 40-yard dash and his three-cone are significantly more important than his explosion grade and even his height and weight. So it's not a matter of, yeah, he's, 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 he runs a 4'6", but he's 6'5", 230, so that makes up for it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're too slow, and you have no agility. I don't care if you're seven feet tall. I mean, if that was the case, we would just draft basketball players to just run around. I mean, it doesn't matter if you can't run at all. You're just tall. We'll just lob it up to you. That's not how it works, though. There are metrics that are in place for a reason. Well, run it as a tight end. Okay, fine. Point is, I can do the same thing with tight end. I can do the same thing with every position. It doesn't matter. The only point I was trying to make is that 
when first of all, when somebody has a high RAS, it doesn't really tell you what that means. You have to click on it and look at it and look at the individual markers. Because a lot of times they'll have some good, some average, some bad. And if the really important ones are bad and the really not important ones are good, that's still kind of bad. Conversely, there are other people who have, you know, maybe not the greatest RAS. I mean, there are some people who they're elite in every category, but it's just their height and weight that's really, really bad. But everything else is just out of this world. And, and again, if you're going to get knocked because you run a, you know, you ran a 439, but you're really small, it doesn't matter. 439 is 439 on the field, right? I mean, we're just talking about absolute speed here. You know, same, same with safety. Let's, let's look at um, Kyle Hamilton, for example. By the way, I just watched Kyle Hamilton yesterday. I officially don't believe 40 times at all. Um, we've talked about Traylon Burks and how he certainly looks really fast on the field yet he had a slow 40 time. Jelani Woods, the tight end, supposedly runs really fast. He is the slowest human being I've ever seen in my life. And Kyle Hamilton cover, covers ground like I've never seen in my life. And apparently he ran a 4.7. Okay. But let's just say that's the case. Again, he ran faster at his combine. I think you have to give him the faster time because it just, I mean, why wouldn't you? You're telling me he, as fast as he can run as a 4.7? Interesting. He ran faster. So how is that possible? But let's just say you're a safety. You run a 4-7, which is disqualifyingly slow. You're in the deep middle portion of the field. You are, you are the free safety. You are single high by yourself. I need to trust you to be able to get to the sideline in time. I'm not talking about reaction time or any of that other stuff because all that is, we're, we're assuming is exactly equal. You are six foot four, 220 pounds. Does that help me come to the conclusion that you're going to get to the sideline faster? It's going to help your RAS because relative to how big you are, Whatever your speed is, is, is a little bit more impressive based on height and weight. But I don't care about based on height and weight. I want to know in absolute terms, your ability to run to the sideline. How quickly can you get there? I don't care if you're fat. That, that doesn't help you get to the sideline in time, which is your job. And again, Kyle Hamilton is just an example. If you're getting hung up on, yeah, well, his react, I'm not talking about him or his reaction time or any of that. Pick a different player. The point is whether he is... 5'11", 195, or 6'4", 220, your ability to get to the sideline when you run a 4'7", is very limited. And the relative portion doesn't mean anything in that instance. Sometimes it does mean something, right? That's why my only real point with RAS was it's just a tool. And like all tools, you need to understand what it's telling you and also what it's not telling you. So it's not a bad tool, but to pretend that RAS is the be-all, end-all, and if you have a high RAS, then that means that you are just a great athlete, is, is kind of just incorrect. It's relative athleticism, which is relative to your position and relative to your size. The other issue I have with RAS is that it's kind of a overall number, but it, it doesn't really give you a full picture. Because again, you don't know where the high points and low points are, and different positions have different things that matter. To be completely honest, if you're a defensive tackle, I think 40-yard dash time is probably one of the lowest. It's really low on how much I care. If your defensive tackle is running 40 yards, I, I, that's not great. Maybe the 10-yard split might be a little bit interesting. And it gives you a general metric of you know quickness and those kinds of things. But we also have three-cone, we have shuttle, and explosion to see how you know quickly and violently you can explode off the line and everything else. That, that gives us a pretty clear picture of what you can do. Now, if you're Jordan Davis, you crush every single metric, so it doesn't matter. But I mean, that's, that's, just, that's, that's the only point I'm making. RAS is not bad. I don't dislike RAS. And you can even make the case that RAS is more important than just general speed, right? If I say if a wide receiver or a, a, an NFL player runs a 4-5, doesn't mean anything to me. The relative is the part that matters. What's your position? How big are you? 
but also relative doesn't really work in a vacuum either. Neither of them work in a vacuum. And again, it depends on the question you're asking. If you want to know overall generally how athletic a person is, RAS is great. But it's not a standalone tool. It's not something that you can just pick up and go, oh, 9.4, he's a freak, draft him. What do you mean he's a what? What, what can he do? I don't know. What, how, how big is I don't know. Is he agile? Is he fast? Is he explosive? I don't know. Probably all of them. Maybe at least two of three or, or one of them is really good and two are average or something like that. I'm not sure. But he's got a 9.41 relative athletic score, so he, that's great. And we all get hung up on this stuff. I mean, it, it, and I do too with stuff like, you know, PFF and DVOA and all that. They're just tools that give you one piece of one picture. And depending on the question, they might give you the best possible answer to that question. But none of these things give you a perfect picture, but also none of these things are useless. Either way that you look, whether it's PFF, DVOA, RAS, any of these things, anybody that defends them in such a way that they're perfect is wrong. Anybody that says that they are completely flawed is wrong. They're just tools to be used to give you a a slightly clearer picture. And which one you use depends on what your question is. All right? That's all. That's all I'm saying. So if, if, you're, if your takeaway from me talking about RAS a couple of days ago was that I think RAS is stupid, I've literally never said that, and that's why I use RAS all the time, because it's, it's a good tool, just in a very general sense. When I'm just generally talking about somebody, I'll usually throw out, and he's got like a 9-9 RAS, so he's, he's kind of a freak athlete. Because that's generally true. He's a freak athlete. You still want to dig into it a little, but just in a very sweeping sense, if we're just flying through a prospect... Boom, 9.5 RAS. There you go. All right, cool. Paints a very broad general picture for you. So assuming there's only, there's not just one human being that had that as their takeaway, I figured I'd better address that. Um, two other real general notes before we um, take a break and get into um, some more draft stuff. Number one, and I don't, I, maybe this was an April Fool's joke. I don't know, but the guy's a big enough idiot that it, it might actually happen. And, um, I can tell from the five-second clip he posted that he's never going to make it in the NFL. But Jake Paul says he's trying to make it into the NFL. The only reason I bring that up is because I kind of want it to be true. Again, I understand. Don't believe anything that happens on April Fool's Day. And by the way, if this is him doing it, this is the most elaborate and and pretty impressive April Fool's like ever. Because he didn't even really officially declare anything. He he showed a video of himself working out with like on the Dallas Cowboys practice field presumably with football players, and then basically just starts t- going after the haters, like, oh, yeah, you guys don't think I can make it? I mean, it's just, it's it's pretty slick if that was... Because usually they're so blatant, like, today I become a father. Like, what? Wait, what? Who's pregnant? What is happening? Like, oh, I got fired today. Like, it's just, it's a blanket statement of, of fact. Like, this is a thing that happened, is happening, did happen. And it's like, you're a liar. This is like three tweets of, like, by the way, I run a 437. I don't know. But anyways, I, I, I'm guessing this thing dies and we don't hear any more about it because it was fake, but I want it to be true because the NFL is nothing but a giant soap opera and I'm just, I'm into it, man. I'm into it. There's so many clowns in, in and around the NFL and, and there's nobody bigger, I shouldn't say nobody, but there's very few people right now that are bigger than, than the Pauls. I don't know the difference between Jake and his brother. I, don't, I forget what his brother's name is, Chris or something. And I, don't, I never know which one's which. I just assume they're the same person. Every time I see one, I just I picture it as being the exact same guy. So I don't know like which one. I think they both had YouTube channels. The impulsive thing, is that, is that the same guy as the boxer? I have no idea. I've never actually watched that show. I just see prominent people on the show all the time. But anybody that can bring massive attention to the NFL is great. It's just great. I mean, that's, it's the same conclusion I came to with, with the whole move to Europe. 
logistically, it's a complete nightmare. It's a cluster. It makes no sense. And it, it just, it's, it's a stupid money grab. But considering I'm in the making money off of football business, I should probably shut my mouth and stop bashing uh, the GM who's like, let's just focus only on making money in the in the NFL. Let's get as many fans as possible, spending as much money on the NFL as possible, get all eyes on the NFL. Let's expand worldwide and just turn this thing into a, you know, the first, you know, gazillion dollar business. I should shut my mouth and let him do it. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here watching Jake Paul's Twitter, hoping for an April 2nd tweet on him still training. But in reality, he probably ran one route and then was like, I don't know, I'm just in Dallas, like eating barbecue and figured I'd do this as an April Fool's joke. Be pretty sweet though. But I guess what's the point? Doesn't this guy get like a hundred million dollars to box or something? The heck is he going to get in the NFL? Plus he can't pay off people to fall. Like the NFL, you got to actually play. You can't just like pretend to knock a guy out, give him a massive part of the purse, and then, you know, act like you're some kind of a star. Anyways, the only other final note, the NFL NFL is the name of the league that we enjoy. NFL offseason program, start dates for each team. Uh, Those have all been announced. Seems like the earliest dates are April 4th, and those teams will be the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, the Saints, and I guess that's it. We've got to wait until the 18th, but that's actually not that bad. You've got some teams that are late April and even a couple that are in May. The Bengals, presumably because they won the Super Bowl, I guess. I don't know. Uh, May or went to the Super Bowl May 2nd. Let's see, where are the Rams? Nope, they're April 18th. I have no idea. I don't know how these things come to be. But April 18th, NFL offseason program. So it, it doesn't have much to do with us, but it's always good when things are happening. You know what I mean? It's also going to be interesting to see who shows up because um, there's certain guys on this list that need to be there. You know what I mean? The, uh, pretty much every guy that we're looking at saying, you need to, I'm, I'm counting on you to make a jump. Amari Rogers, like for real. When they open the gates, you better be like packing up your tent because you've been out there for a week. Josiah, come on, man. But it is a nine, it's basically a, it's completely voluntary. So there's, I mean, there's no fines if you don't show up. There's no list of people that have to be there, can't be there, whatever. It's a voluntary off-season workout program. It is um, nine weeks long, broke up into three phases. Phase one is two weeks. It's meeting, strength and conditioning, and physical rehab. Phase two consists of the next three weeks, which includes on-field workouts, uh, group instruction, and drills. There's no live contact, but you can have, you know, kind of walkthroughs. And then phase three consists of the next four weeks of the program. Uh, The team may conduct a total of 10 days for OTAs. No live contact is permitted, but 7-on-7, 9-on-7, 11-11 drills are permitted. So that'll bring us to the conclusion of the nine weeks, which will run through, looks like, June 20th. Well, I got the dates here. Green Bay Packers, uh, first day is April 18th. The OTA offseason workouts, May 23rd, 24th, May 26th, May 31st through June 1st, June 3rd, June 13th, 14th, and uh, 16th. Mandatory mini mini camp, June 7th through the 9th. So there you go. Stuff happening, plus the draft smacked in the middle. We're not officially in the dead season yet. Anyways, it is officially break time. I want to say a big thank you to an an anonymous donor um, who gave $250 to both of the GoFundMes. So Drew, uh, with his seizure service dog, is officially over $4,000. He's trying to raise just a little under $7,500, so we are over the halfway mark. And that was a big, big chunk of the change there. So that was awesome to see. So you can find that pinned to the top of my Twitter if you're interested in uh, donating for that. Uh, you can find the Jamie and Carter Accident Fund over on the Facebook page. Again, $250 donation 
Um, also, JJ threw in 10 on top of it. So we are getting very close. The, the goal was to raise $10,000. We are at $9,040. So we're 960 bucks away from, from reaching the final goal of $10,000. Um, extremely happy to um, be able to help out with these things. It's obviously a horrible circumstances, but that's the reason that we're doing it, you know? You guys, again, have helped me with uh, things that are not nearly as important, with getting my computer, a laptop, different things throughout just to help get this podcast up and running. But things like this are obviously much more important, and we want to be able to help out um, people's time of need. Anyways, let's also not forget about modernfrontier.com. If you're looking to buy some bulk of uh, pork, beef, chicken, he's got a bunch of different real low-priced options. You're not going to drop $1,000. You don't have to go pick it up from, from anywhere. It's going to be delivered right to your door. And don't forget about the promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps, $25 off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So as I have promised, I want to look at mock drafts, but not just any old mock drafts. I want to find the people who are the best at this, who get the highest scores, who get the most correct. Now, granted, most of the correct answers are going to be early, but generally, if you're getting more hits, you're just better at this. Again, the Huddle Report is where I get this information. Um, And the number one mock drafter over the last five years, 44.8 overall score over the last uh, four years. Again, they award one point if you get the player in the first round, but not for the right team, two points if they're on the right team. And so Brendan Donahue of Sharp Football Analysis over the last five years has been the most accurate. And in fact, it's a pretty big jump. If you look at the top six, the grades go 42, 42, uh, 42, 42.4, 42.4, 42.4, 42.6, 44.8. So that's a pretty hefty jump. 
So Brendan Donahue is over at Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, Sharp Football's got some pretty good stuff. Also, interestingly enough, we're going to look at the number five guy on this list because he apparently has jumped over to Sharp Football Analysis. So Sharp Football um, has two of the top five mock drafters on their site now. So we're going to look at both of those. But I want to start with Brendan Donahue because he has been the most accurate of uh, of all the people. He did a, mar- a mock draft March 28th. So this was just a couple days ago. So it's very, very fresh. Interestingly enough, and I, listen, a couple points on this, because again, it's going to sound crazy, like, oh, that's stupid, that's not going to happen. Again, remember, this guy, he even put in his in his um, bio here, number one most accurate mock draft over the last past five NFL seasons. The first pick is going to shock a lot of people, but I've got several comments on this. The Jaguars select Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia. couple things. Number one, I've already talked about Trayvon Walker, and I've already said if Aiden Hutchinson does go number one, I don't know that Trayvon Walker isn't the, the pick for the Lions, because I do think Aiden Hutchinson is um, going to be the pick. Second point, I have begun looking at um, creating my big boards, which is based on grades and stats, not really my own eye test, because I just find it interesting. I think it's fun to build formulas and try to see where people fall. Trayvon Walker is real low. Basically, outside of his unbelievably elite athleticism, Based on his statistics and his grades, he's kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, compared to a lot of these guys, he's an athletic freak that um, just hasn't produced. And, and so the problem with it is you could say, well, yeah, but the upside is what people are drafting. The problem is every single one of these guys is an athletic freak. I think I did everybody in the top 100. I think only one or two of them didn't have an RAS in the nines. Everybody is blowing the, the doors off in terms of you know athletic testing. Yes, relative athletic testing. So, number one, Trayvon Walker could absolutely be number one. He could be number two. He could be top five. He could be top ten. I also think he could kind of fall, depending on what people actually think. Are they going to bet on his upside, or are they going to be a little hesitant because of how much upside so many other guys have? Which brings me to point number three. And JJ had sent me something. I forgot what it was. But anyways, it it just kind of sparked a thought. And that was, you know, there have been drafts in the past that um, I remember one a couple years ago, and I've, I've referenced this a couple times, but it was the worst draft in history because every mock draft was basically the same. Like everybody had the same mocks for the same. And when the actual draft came, it was almost identical to what everybody had been saying. It was the most boring, like the top 10 were all exactly expected. There were no trades. It was just, it was horrible. I think this could be one of the craziest drafts ever. Because if you really look at it, you have so many guys with so much elite upside. I, I think as far as high ceilings and low floors, this is an unbelievably volatile class. Trayvon Walker is a perfect picture. I could see he has he is one of the biggest freaks that has ever been at pass rusher. If he can figure it out completely, there, there's nobody more dangerous than him. But again, he could easily fall. Aiden Hutchinson is one of those guys that's like, no, he's going to go top three for sure. No question. Probably number one. He will not fall at the top. That's usually the static kind of thing. But even guys like Akemakwanu, who they have, by the way, Lions, Aiden Hutchinson, Texans, Akemakwanu, we just saw yesterday when we looked at this, some guys who are really good at building their top 100 boards had this guy down in like almost 20. Same with Evan Neal. He kind of dropped a little bit. Um, Kenny Pickett. He has going number six to the Panthers. A lot of those guys with the big boards had Kenny Pickett really, really high, but there's questions about Kenny. If he drops down into the 20s, is anybody going to be like massively shocked? How about Jermaine Johnson, who he has going to the Giants at seven? I think he goes early. I love Jermaine Johnson, but we've seen some crazy stuff with him falling down 15, 16, 17. 
Garrett Wilson, the, all these wide receivers, again, my biggest issue with them is they all have unbelievable upside, and I'm going to do backflips almost no matter who, who we draft, but I'm also going to be very nervous no matter who we draft. Garrett Wilson is a small guy. I'm guessing most teams don't care. We've seen he can go as early as, I, I think some people have put as early as two. The, the Lions are basically just, they could draft anybody according to the mock drafters, but I mean, we, we've seen him go stupid early, but we've also seen guys say, no, Drake London is number one, and, and it's debatable who's number, you know, so I presumably he's top 10 and, and toward the back of the top 10, but I don't know. And again, a lot of it comes down to where these teams fall. If you're desperate for an elite wide receiver, you might go Garrett Wilson. At the same time, there's a lot of other elite out there. There's a whole lot of other guys you could be looking at. Guys like Trayvon and all these edge rushers that are just freaks. Maybe you're looking in that direction. Maybe maybe one of these tackles falls and you're looking in that direction. Maybe you want a different wide receiver. Maybe you, and that's the other thing, it kind of comes down to preference. Garrett Wilson is a great sort of all-around wide receiver. But what if you want a guy like Drake London and you think he's 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 an all-around wide receiver, but he's also massive? You would take him. What if you really like um, if you want a Debo guy? Then you know Traylon is the guy. Even if everyone's like, no, he won't be. He, he's he'll he'll be there until at least eighteen. It's a preference thing, though. All it takes is one team to say this is the guy. And again, you, you've got people on Twitter or whatever saying he ran like a twenty. He was clocked at like twenty-two miles an hour, which is faster than Tyreek ran all last year. So forty time, be damned. You're telling me you know for a fact he's not going top 10? You don't know that. How about Kyle Hamilton? This guy could easily go as early as two. And based on that 4-7 that everybody's freaking out about, and if people are really worried about his athleticism, I don't... On this mock draft, he has him going 13 to the Texans. He's already now in the teens. For for months now, he's been seen as a easily top five. He's never not been in a top five conversation. Now, positional value comes into play here because safeties generally are not taken that high anyways. But to fall to 13 and maybe there'll be a continued fall, I don't know. But I just think the volatility of this draft class in particular, even when you get to the Packers, you look at the entire second round and, and there's not a single, there's almost nobody in that second round that I couldn't see the Packers taking, even at 22. I mean, at, if the Packers took Christian Watson at 22, there's not a single human being on planet Earth that should be shocked by that. He is the most Packers pick ever. I mean, it'll just be one of those like, yeah, we should have seen that coming. I mean, that was obvious. And of course, people will scream that's too early or whatever. But I mean, and the same is true with George Pickens. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, if any of those guys are available. Of course, it all makes sense. And these linebackers, I mean, they're presumed to be kind of late first or whatever. But, um, you know, Devin Lloyd kind of mid first and and uh, N'Kobe Dean, you know, whatever. And But dude, these guys could go, they're, they're all, they're just, they're freaks. Zion Johnson, presumably at 29. If he went at 15, would anybody be shocked? I would not be shocked at all. I'd be disappointed to be like, oh, shoot, man, I like that guy. But I would completely understand that. Matt Corral, he's sitting at 32 overall. All it takes is one team that's desperate for a quarterback that loves Matt Corral, and he's gone. Daxton Hill, Lewis Seen, Jaquan Brisker, Boye Mafe, Desmond Ritter, who, by the way, on my board is QB1. Again, I've not watched a single snap of any of these guys. Well, that's not true. But generally, obviously, you know I've watched Matt Corral. But I have not seriously sat down with the intention of trying to learn about these guys because the Packers are not interested. But based on like the formula thing, which again is based on, I, I start off with old quarterbacks and I try to tweak my formula until it ranks about right. And to, when it lines up with what I think, you know, older quarterbacks look like rank from best to first in the NFL today, based on what they did in college, then I plug in the quarterbacks we currently have and it spits out a result, and Desmond Ritter is QB1. Again, the running backs, I mean, if, if a running back snuck into the first... So, I mean, it, it just, it really would not be 
surprising. Just and I think it's the elite athleticism of all these guys that, I mean, again, it just takes one team to fall in love, and and all of these guys have so much to just fall in love with. All of them do. It's it's a it's a matter of need. It's a matter of fit. It's a matter of all these things. But yeah, I I, I really think it's going to be a wild draft. I really do. I mean, I, I've never had such a hard time with with mock drafts before, and I haven't even done that many this year because. I kind of go through it. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I, you know, but really, I mean, pick one. If you're Jacksonville, what are you going to do? You, you want to take Aiden Hutchinson, but you also really want to tackle. Which tackle? I don't know. Are you sure you don't want Thibodeau? Are you sure you don't want Trayvon Walker? No, I'm not sure. Are you positive that Trayvon Walker isn't going to be better than Aiden? And when Trayvon Walker is the best pass rusher in this entire draft class, everybody's going to look back and try to act like they knew it. You know what I mean? Like, you guys really didn't know Trayvon Walker's... Did you see what he did at the Combine? Did you watch his film? Like, come on, of course that's going to happen. But again, everybody's a freak. So, and I'm talking about like Cam Thomas, San Diego State, Arnold Ebicady, Nick Benito, MyJ Sanders. I mean, de- again, depending on what you're looking for, MyJ is not doing much for you in the run defense realm, but athletic freak, un- ultra productive with sacks and with pressures and all that. MyJ Sanders, Nick Benito, crushing it. So anyways, that's sort of my sidebar on this. Getting back to uh, Brendan Donahue's draft here. He has the Vikings taking Derek Stingley, which, um, you know, my thought on that is good, but also kind of, it's sort of like the Lions taking Okuda, where it's like, I don't think it's going to pan out, but if it does, that's going to suck because he's supposedly like a generational talent. He just hasn't done Jack in two years. And as I said, the Lions took Aiden Hutchinson and the Bears don't have a pick, but you come all the way down to pick 22. Jordan Davis goes one pick before us to the Patriots, bunch of jerks. Not that they would have had us taking that anyways, but if we were watching live, you'd see Chris Olave go to the Saints and go, ah, crap. You see Jordan Davis go one pick early, go, ah, crap. And the Packers are on the clock, and at pick 22, the Green Bay Packers select Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. So, you know, I I don't have too much else to say because this has been the pick 95% of the time. Other than, again, unless the Packers are all in on this guy is much more athletic than, than his combine um, suggested, and he absolutely can be an outside receiver, no problems about that whatsoever. I mean, he can, he can win off a of press. He can you know, absolutely separate with his clean routes, and he's got the speed to get behind people. If they believe he can do that, I think they'll draft him. If they don't, I don't think they will. They don't need a bigger version of Amari Rodgers. We have two slot guys right now. We're already looking at Amari Rodgers going, I don't know how much time he's going to get on the field. We don't need a third. And I know Randall and Amari and 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 um, Traylon are, are different people, but they're all three kind of just slot guys. So the Packers have to know 1,000% that Traylon Burks is not just a slot guy like he was in college. Again, like 70% of the slot in college. That's That can't be his role when he comes to the NFL. Um, 26, Zion Johnson goes. That's a heartbreaker. 28, the Green Bay Packers are on the clock and they select Boye Mafe, edge rusher, Minnesota. So that's kind of becoming, if I had to guess like the most popular one-two punch right now, that's probably it. Traylon Burks and Boye Mafe. And I don't have, do I want to take the time to do this right now? The next step with all these um, pass rushers in place is to kind of tally up. I have all their grades here. I just need to tally it up to put it in a, in a score out of a hundred. But I can at least do this. Let me let me just look at where Boye Mafe ranks. And this is all I did was I added. There's 15 pass rushers. All of them at the time were top 15 or top 100 uh, players. It looks like one of them I believe has fallen out of, but I don't really care. Oh, Sam Williams of Ole Miss has fallen out recently, but it doesn't matter. Overall defensive PFF grade, uh, Boye Mafe ranks 10th. 
As far as his run defense grade, he ranks 12th. Pass rush grade, he ranks 12th. As far as missed tackle percentage, he ranks 5th. These are all parts that I that go into this equation that I'm building. So that, that would be 5th best at 12.1%. Pressure percentage, which is the metric I generally use. Remember, 10% is good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Mafe is 5th, sitting at 16.3%. The lowest is Trayvon Walker at 8.9%. I told you, he's really, really low. In all these metrics, he's probably going to be, he might be the lowest on this entire board. The highest is Nick Benito at uh, 19.8%. Sack percentage, I wanted to add into this just because I think sacks are important that you look at that. Again, I got to figure out exactly which metrics to use, not use, and, and how much value weight to put on each one is always the way that I kind of tweak these things. But um, sack percentage, Boye Mafe right in the middle at 7th. Sack percentage is 2.72%. The lowest, MyJ Sanders, 1.29. Trayvon Walker is 1.3. He's 14th. Um, the highest is 3.7. David Ajabo. PRP is is kind of an interesting metric that I, I might need to lean on a little bit more. I've never really looked at it or, or referenced it before, but PRP is basically pressure percentage, but it's weighted with sacks being higher than, than pressures, which are, are sacks are higher than hits or higher than pressures. So it kind of comes up with a, a number that looks at pressure percentage, which I like, but again, it, it weights it based on the value of sacks over the other thing. So um, anyways, based on that, Boye is fourth. Again, I, this is brand new to me, so I don't exactly know what a good metric or bad metric is, but he's at 10.2. Trayvon Walker, dead last, 5.3. The highest is Nick Benito at 12.1. Win percentage, again, another metric I like, which basically just means you beat the guy in front of you. It's great because it's it's kind of the opposite spectrum of sack. Sacks are the ultimate end that you're you're looking for. I mean, you know, if you get a batted pass or a hit or anything, those are nice too. But ultimately, you're trying to tackle the quarterback before he gets the ball out of his hand. The the first step though is beating the guy in front of you, and and sometimes the the quarterback gets the ball out in time, but you still win, and that's the main objective. Beat the guy in front of you. After that, it's just a matter of how much time do you have before you get get uh, down the line. Trayvon Walker dead last. Um, 10.1% of the time. Nick Benito, 29% of the time. Uh, where's our guy Boye Mafe here? 19.2%. He's sitting at 10th. Uh, stop percentage, which is probably the best um, run grade that I can find. I mean, there, there is the run grade, but as far as a statistic is concerned, again, a stop is making a tackle that is a negative play for the offense. So if you chase a guy down the field and tackle him after 20 yards, that's not a stop, right? A tackle is you made, you made a play in the run, right? It was a it was a positive defensive play tackle. And so what I did is I took the stops and I divided it by total run plays. So in a run play, how often are you the one that's being disruptive is kind of what I'm I'm looking for here. Mafe again down kind of near the bottom at 10th. Cam Thomas SDSU is at the top. My J Sanders is at the bottom. Um he's at 6.25%. Cam Thomas at 17.3%. And then finally, RAS is the one area, Trayvon Walker, which depending on how high I weight RAS, which might be quite high, I'm, 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 th- I'm just thinking to myself how it's probably going to end up being weighted. And when you think about guys like Rashawn Gary kind of breaking out, I, I kind of wonder if I'm going to have to lean a little bit more on this. But again, it's not really going to matter because Trayvon Walker, 9.99, but you got Boye is number two at 9.91, Aiden Hutchinson, 9.88, um, Kayvon Thibodeau, 9.77. You've got Sam Williams, 9.7, Jermaine Johnson, 9.62, uh, Pascal, 9.48, uh, 
David Ajabo, 9.37. Uh, Nick Benito is 9.32. George Kaloftis, 9.18. Um, Ebikadi is 9.11. Then finally you get out of the nines, but you still got MyJ Sanders, 8.71. Drake Jackson, 8.56. Cam Thomas, I don't even know. I think I put a seven in there just as a placeholder, but I don't actually know. Um, and then Kingsley Enigbare is the only not high athletic guy with a 6.14. So everybody, with the exception of uh, Kingsley and Igbari and maybe Cam Thomas, um, wildly athletic. So a um, little bonus material there looking kind of through that. By the way, I am planning on making this available to patrons. I'm not exactly what sure what tier. I'm guessing tier five would be the tier. That's just kind of generally where I throw extras. Um, maybe what I'll do is I'll separate it out. I think tier five, what I'll do is I'll give sort of the abbreviated version of my big board. And then maybe with the tier 10, I'll give the bonus of just showing you the whole thing. $10 tier, tier 10, whatever. Just showing my work on it, basically. Something like that. But I got a lot of work to do just to get through this before the draft. And it's, it is a lot of mind numbing work, which always gets me excited until you kind of get into it. And it's like, oh, this is so tedious. It's just data entry over and over and over and over. So anyways, as of right now, that is the mock draft from um, one of the most accurate mock drafters. And again, it's not like he's just following what everybody else is doing. The guy's got Trayvon Walker going number one to the Jaguars. I've never seen that. Um, I want to follow that up with Ryan McChrystal's mock draft. He's technically number five on the list overall, but again, he's sitting here at Sharp Football Analysis, which is buying up all the best talent, apparently. Good for them. Ryan McChrystal, right out of the gate, and again, we'll, we'll get to the Packers, but I just kind of want to give some perspective on how different these things can be. Aiden Hutchinson is number one, Trayvon Walker to the Lions, which is exactly what I said. I said, if Aiden Hutchinson goes number one, I wouldn't doubt Trayvon is number two. Now, it could be Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't know. I do think it needs to be and probably will be a pass rusher, but I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Trayvon is the pick. Now, maybe you want something a little bit more, more steady. You're, you don't, you're not really in the mood for like trying to build a guy or give him a red shirt kind of thing. Maybe you are because your team isn't competing anyways, but... Um, you want a guy that's just a little bit more steady, you know, higher floor kind of a guy? I don't know, but I could absolutely see that. Um, he's got Kyle Hamilton at eight, so he's kind of coming back. You got the the uh, tackles all in different spots. Garrett Wilson at 10, which is normal, but then 11 commanders take Drake London, which is still weird to say commanders. Karloftis to the Vikings. So we got two edge rushers now in the NFC North with uh, Trayvon Walker and um, George Karloftis, which makes me happy because Jermaine Johnson goes the next pick to the Texans, and I don't want to deal with that guy. But when you get to the Packers, we once again at pick 22 have Traylon Burks. If, if, there's, if there's anything to this, basically if Traylon Burks is not the Packers pick at 22, the entire draft world is going to implode. I mean, if he gets drafted at like 15, everybody's just got to light their Packers mock drafts on fire. Um, and then at um, pick 28, the Packers have Bernard Raymond. Now, since we're talking about it, since we're here and since we're looking at my sheet, I may as well bring up my, um, my wide receiver thing. Now this one's actually done. My, my edge rush, I don't have the grades. I have something set fairly well here for my wide receivers. And it's a massive sheet that I have here. Um, I had all the top 100 wide receivers and I also added a bunch of last year's wide receivers and I tweaked the grades until I got it to where it, it kind of makes sense. Now, some of these I'm never going to be able to get right. Amon Ross St. Brown is ranked 26 out of 26. Why? Because his grades and his stats were all terrible. There's nothing I can look at that's going to raise him up. So that one I can never get right. But the top four wide receivers are all last year's wide receivers. All of them. But all four of them did great as rookies. Devontae Smith, 
Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. That's not the exact order, but I think those are the top four, and they are graded all in the 70s as rookies. Rashad Bateman I have at six uh, because we have a 2022 wide receiver who's in between numbers uh, four and six. And there's there's a couple other guys here that um, even like Kadarius Toney is kind of like the next highest. Although the interesting thing is basically all the top wide receivers are in last year's class. All the next tier are this year's class. There's a huge gap until you get down to like Kadarius Toney, who again, did grade out quite well. Again, it's not perfect, but it's it's just set in such a way where I think there's a lot more right here than wrong. Again, the top four are the top four. You've also got Bateman up really high. There's a couple that you'd like to raise up, but this, this is, with all the tweaking I've done, this is probably the most accurate. Anyways, with all this done, there's one guy in 2022 that's in the top five, and that's Traylon Burks. And that's relatively impressive because I, I weight fairly heavily PFF grades, at least for wide receivers. I think generally I do, but again, if you want it to be more accurate, that's just generally where you're going to weight heavier. But he doesn't actually grade that high. He has a 85.8. All the other guy, well, I guess Jalen Waddle doesn't either, but um, it's pretty impressive for him to overcome all that with so many, you know, high to mid 90s receivers. Out of the 26 wide receivers, as far as his PFF grade goes, Traylon Burks is 12th. That's out of last year's and this year's wide receivers. However, his receiving grade, which is also pretty high, is 6th out of all 26. Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore, Drake London, and Jamar Chase are the only ones that had higher receiving grades. Uh, But just kind of going through the list, yards per reception, which I don't weight very heavily because it's kind of just a stylistic thing, but Traylon Burks is actually 7th, which is kind of surprising because you don't think of him as being that kind of a style. Uh, Yards uh, yards after the catch per reception, Traylon Burks is 3rd. That shouldn't surprise too many people. Yards per route run is another one that I weight pretty heavy because it's just a very, obviously a very good metric for a receiver. Every time you run a route, how many yards are you going to get me? He ranks fifth. So, I mean, he's, again, he's like top five in pretty much all of the categories that I can come up with, the exception of overall PFF grade. Um, Drops, he's ninth, which again, out of 26, isn't terrible. Contested catch, surprisingly, he's actually quite low. He ranks 20th on this list, um, 43.8%. Drake London, not surprisingly, is the highest in this group. He's fourth. He has uh, 67.9%. And then obviously when it comes to RAS, he does not rank very well. But again, for him to overcome the RAS being low, which is weighted relatively heavily, um, and then the uh, overall PFF grade, I mean, he, he he ranks high in a lot of these metrics. So Again, based on the metric that I'm using right now, and again, I may kind of tweak things a little bit more, but this is this is the most accurate I can get at Traylon Burks is the uh, the highest on this list. By the way, George Pickens, and maybe George Pickens is going to be next year's Amon Ross St. Brown, where you know he's liked and you know whatever, but I, I just can't get him up on this. He's he ranks 23rd out of 26. Um, Justin Ross and John Mechie are the only guys that rank lower than than he does. So. Again, it's certainly not a perfect metric, but it's it's just about how can I get the most right possible. And usually when I do this, although there's a lot wrong, what, what ends up happening is some of the guys that are at the top that nobody expects to be good end up being really good, and some of the guys that are really low that are expected to be good. So I, I usually get like one or two kind of surprise things. The problem is I don't know who that's going to be. For example, the second highest receiver I have on this list is Wandale Robinson. So if he ends up blowing up, that would be like my one, but I don't know if he's going to be the one. Same with like if John Mechie or George Pickens is terrible, that would be like the one that I kind of like, oh, I got that one. You know what I mean? But uh, again, the, the issue is I, I have no way of knowing who it's going to be and who it's not going to be. But this is the list that I have. 
Anyways, the second best mock drafter, again, remember we skipped over number two to go to number five because he was there. I don't actually know about, I've never been to this site before. I'm guessing it's because they don't have big boards. They have positional ranks and they have mock drafts, so I've never been here before. Um, But we have got Mr. Brian Philpot of the Football Hub. Again, second most accurate mock drafter over the last five years. He does have a top 32 here. Um, but he, again, and this is just be, um, kudos to me for freaking calling this, by the way, before this became a thing. He has Aiden Hutchinson, number one, Trayvon Walker, number two. Um, Ahmad Gardner going number four is kind of the, the surprise pick there. Again, Akema Kwanu down to five. So there's that Malik Willis going number six. And again, the quarterbacks, would anybody be surprised if Malik Willis went number six? I'm not saying disagree or agree. I'm not saying, would you agree? I'm saying, would you be surprised? And honestly, I would not because Malik Willis is a guy, I don't think he's very good. And I have quarterbacks on here too. Um, the quarterbacks based on previous years are, um, kind of just terrible. (laughs) Looking at uh, last year and this year's quarterbacks, Malik Willis, I have eighth overall, with most of last year's quarterbacks being above him. But it would not surprise me even a little bit based on what he's done. I mean, based on his upside, based on all that. Again, it just takes one team to say, this is exactly what we're looking for, and he's clearly gone in the top 10. Uh, Garrett Wilson goes to seven. Again, relatively similar. Kenny Pickett at nine. Two quarterbacks in the top 10. Would it surprise me? No. If there were zero in the top 10, would it surprise me? No. Kyle Hamilton made it to 10, and that's as far as he got. Anything else interesting? Jordan Davis goes 13, so I'm always looking for those heartbreakers like, oh, crap. Jermaine Johnson, 14. I don't expect them to make it to us, but I would be sad. Chris Olave, 16. Matt Corral, 18. So he's high on all the quarterbacks. Again, second best mock drafters got three quarterbacks going before we pick, which is best case scenario because that means a lot of guys get pushed to us. This is what we want is for heavy quarterback. Karloftis uh, makes it to, to 19. And then at 22, Traylon Burks. (laughs) Uh, He actually has something written up here. So he says, speaking of holes, the Packers are staring into the wide receiver abyss. The team traded the league's top wide receiver to Las Vegas and Devontae Adams. Marcos Valdez-Scantling decided to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. Burks will look to step into Adams' role as the top wideout for Aaron Rodgers. Burks was amazing at Arkansas, but his athletic testing numbers suggest he may struggle to separate in the NFL. Luckily for him, Rodgers doesn't need much space. That's a stupid argument. You don't take a guy that can't separate at 22 because, ah, Rodgers will figure it out. If that's the case, you don't need to take a wide receiver in the first round. I can get guys that can't separate in the fourth round. That's a stupid argument. <laughs> Seriously. He's not that good, but hey, Rodgers will compensate. No, not at 22. Sorry. We'll take somebody else. And then at 28, again, I told you this was the most popular combo, Boye Mafe going to the Packers at pick 28. Um, he says he adds a youthful, athletic, and lengthy defensive end to the Green Bay defense that just lost to Darius Smith to division rival Minnesota Vikings. Mafe is starting to climb, and it's possible the Packers may need to use their 22nd pick if they really want him. So, and, and again, I, as I've been saying, would it surprise you if a guy like Mafe went or a different pass rusher at 22? No. Would, would Packers Twitter absolutely melt down if he went at 22? Yes, partially because they want a wide receiver, but also partially because every mock draft has him going at 28 or possibly as a second round prospect. And so everyone's going to say it's a reach because again, everybody's just stupid with mock drafts. Uh, I I was always able to mock him at 28. So he would have been available. You don't freaking know that. Uh, The next highest graded is the draft examiner. They don't have a 2022 mock draft out yet, which again, always makes you a little bit sad, but it means they do the right thing. They did their one mock draft last year, April 5th. So uh, presumably this week, they'll be having their first and maybe only mock draft of the season coming out. So we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that. 
Um, Evan Silva is another guy that's really, really high up on this. I don't believe he's done any mock drafts so far this year. So that would be uh, the final of the top five. But since the last couple didn't have any, I'm going to do one more because NFL mock draft uh, has their own scoring system. And so we'll do one bonus here. Um, The underdog fantasy was number one last year, according to NFL mock draft database, Josh Norris. He has not done his mock draft yet. His mock draft was done on the 29th. So like right before the draft. So we got to kind of wait for that. Fantasy law guy was number two. It's finding some really interesting sites here with some really cool content, but he was number two on the list. He did do a mock draft. He may do an updated one because it looks like this one's a little bit early, but it was still done yesterday. So this is very, very new. He also has Trayvon Walker number two. So that's just become like the new thing now. Um, it's not even, we're not even talking about Kayvon Thibodeau or anything. It is Trayvon Walker number two. Now, again, (laughs) I was the one that said it, but I'm also the one saying, I don't know. But anyways, we'll just skip to the good part here. At 22, we get a, a rare, but also a really much needed and appreciated pick. The Green Bay Packers select Jamison Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. Now he didn't really write anything here, but allow me to fill in the blanks. This is what the Packers said they wanted. Now he's not, he doesn't fit every single prototype. And I, I don't know that it's my favorite prospect and my favorite pick. I know a lot of people are excited, but just the the hype to credibility ratio. You know what I mean? Like, Traylon Burks makes about as much sense as Jamison Williams does to me. And yet Traylon Burks is just the assumed pick, and Jamison Williams is like, oh, they wouldn't do that. I, I just, they're about equivalent in my mind. I, I have the same amount of reservations about one as I do about the other. Just completely different reasons. But for both of them, it's like, can you just be an ex-receiver? I don't know. For Jamison, it's like, are you just MVS? Do we just send you down the field and you can't do anything else? For Traylon, it's like, are you just a yard after the catch guy that can't separate? They're like exact opposite wide receivers, but can either of them meet in the middle? And then at uh, pick 28, and this is where Packers fans would get maybe confused, but also a little bit excited. He has them taking Christian Watson, wide receiver out of NDSU. Um, now, obviously, the obvious concern here is they're similar guys. You're, you're taking two speed guys, but um, you're also doing a couple other things. Number one, you are adding a little bit of, of versatility. Christian Watson is just a, generally a bigger guy, so he's kind of like a Drake London type also, bigger jump ball type of guy. He's done some stuff out of the backfield. You're, you're adding just massive speed to the wide receiver room in general. There's nothing wrong with having two guys. I mean, look at our DBs, right? Every single person in that entire group, with the exception of a, a couple, um, are stupid fast, like four threes fast. So for the Packers to say, let's just get really fast at wide receiver, uh, wouldn't su- surprise me. On top of that, you're adding the element of somebody's going to make an impact. If one of them doesn't pan out, at least in year one, one of them should. And just the amount of things you can do. So, um, you know, would it be my pick? No. Would I be doing backflips 100%? I, by the way, as many times as I've talked about me doing backflips, I'm going to have to learn how to do a backflip. I got to talk to Blaine. He was a cheerleader. He can help me do a backflip. He, he showed me how, but there's no way I'm actually... Actually, I did do a backflip, but we were in a swimming pool <laughs> in Florida. Man, him and I in water is just absurd. We're trying to do backflip. I actually, I did it too. I did a backflip. It was, it was crazy. Granted, if I was not in water, I would have cracked my skull open, but I'm still proud of myself for doing it. But um, anyway, so th- again, there's a lot of cool resources out there. This is another site I'm going to have to peruse because it looks like he's got some really cool stuff on here. But you know, th- again, the whole point is to try to just attack this draft from every single possible crazy angle we possibly can. With every pick, it's, it's, it might happen. You know, here's why it might happen and here's why it might not. And again, a lot of people are going to hear me talk and be like, oh, he doesn't like this guy or he likes it. It's not about that. I want to stop saying we're never going to pick that guy. And I also want to stop saying we have to get this guy. I don't want either of those things. As many possible options as possible, but not getting stuck on anybody either. 
everybody has positives, everybody has negatives, everybody has a chance to be a star, everyone has a potential to be a bust. Aiden Hutchinson is not guaranteed to be... Chase Young, when he came out, was way more impressive than Aiden Hutchinson. He just was. When was the last time you heard Chase Young's name? You know who was way more impressive than both of those guys? Jadavian Clowney. Way more impressive. He was basically like the Trevor Lawrence of pass rushers when he came out. By the way, Trevor Lawrence. Not actually high on my list, by the way. In terms of my rankings of last year's quarterbacks, number one is Mac Jones, number two is Justin Fields, then Zach Wilson, then Kyle Trask, then Trevor Lawrence. I know, well, then your list is stupid. Okay, well, you tell me why Trevor Lawrence sucks, because he was number one on your list, so don't even start with me. Does your list have Mac Jones number one? Okay, then shut up. Anyways, I should probably get out of here. Seven o'clock, it's Saturday. I should go do something with my life. Sit here and talk to you people all day. Have yourselves a great day. Again, stay tuned. We got hopefully some shows coming up. We got a a Monday draft show coming up as well as hopefully a Friday show coming up. I got to follow up with everybody, make sure we're all on task and on target. But uh, stay tuned. We got a full slate of fun stuff coming over here on the Packernet Network. And I'm uh, pretty excited about it. But have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.